Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Film Club After Dark, where we talk about horror movies we found on Netflix. Hi, Boo. How are you? I'm doing good. Do you feel good that you got that intro out? I mean, you know, you insist on me doing the cringiest intros I can find. Right, right. I try. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're here for the final part of the Fear Street trilogy. That's right. And a special thanks again to Midsummer Scream Netflix for giving us the opportunity to view the Fear Street trilogy ahead of time. Yes, we do thank them. But I'm not that thankful for this third movie. Um, I guess to preface this, if you listen to our 78 episode, we all had already seen this movie at that point during that yeah. recording. So I believe I spoiled my opinions on the film beforehand. Very much so, yeah. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I'll let you pick since you were such a fan of this movie. Yeah, totally. So the biggest thing here that I would like to talk about is probably like the story okay. itself. Um, I guess a brief rundown is we have Dina who is sent back in time and is witnessing the trial and death of Sarah Fear, mm-hmm. the witch of uh, Sunnyvale or, or Shadyside. Shady side before. Yeah. And more or less, we're watching this 1600s witch period drama. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not really that much of a horror film for no, the most part. No, I think if anything, it's what, maybe like 48 hours in 1666? Something like that. Maybe It might be over the course of like one or two days. Mm-hmm. And we do get some interesting acting going on here. Yeah. Uh, I actually really did like Kiana Madeira as Sarah Fear. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I pronounced her name right. Kiana Madeira? Yeah. But I, I liked her as Sarah Fear, yeah. which goes to my point that I think I just don't like Dina as a character and not the actress. I like the actress in this. Kiana Madeira is a really good actress. I haven't yep. seen her in too much before mm-hmm. this, so it'll be interesting to see where her career goes. Oh, yeah. Again, I think I just... I could not connect with Dina as a character, mm-hmm. which... Is probably why I wasn't a huge, the biggest fan of 94. Mm-hmm. But this is, oh lordy. So, then we start getting the story to unfold. And we have um, Sarah Fear, who, like Dina, is in love with... Uh, Hannah. Girl, Hannah. Hannah Miller, who is played by Sam from the 94. And there's this whole thing where it's this love story... But people find out about it. She's accused of witchcraft and inviting the devil into their midst after a preacher goes crazy and murders a bunch of kids. And Hannah Miller is also the daughter of the priest in yes. their little community. So, you know, to really make things feel like the devil is upon them, this just adds to it. And eventually we find out that... We can spoil this, right? Yeah. We eventually find out that it was Solomon Good, the ancestor of Sheriff Good from the other two movies, is actually the witch who has invited Satan to their midst, and that's who has been possessing people, is Satan. And Solomon Good is basically just doing rituals and picking people, I assume, at random? I believe so. That's what I was trying to understand, get into his mind. How do you pick these people... Is it just prominent people? Is it completely, you know, random? I feel it's at random. I mean, granted, not in this, but in the later stuff. Yeah. I'm assuming he's just looking 
grabs a phone book and just picks a name at random. Maybe. I don't I, know. Right? So, we find this out. Sarah Fear is, you know, fighting against Solomon Good. Solomon Good uh, attacks Sarah. He's framing her for witchcraft. He's in love with her. He is in love with her, and they find out that Sarah is not like that, and then there's a whole thing. Yeah, there, there's a whole <clears throat> discussion between them before she finds out that uh, Solomon is really the villain in the story. Mm-hmm. And he sees her and uh, Hannah kissing, and he goes, you know, oh, it's just... I can't think of the word that he says. I, I can't. It's it's an old Englishy word. It basically, it's like, oh, this is just a face. That's and literally then, what he says. And then she goes, it, it's not a face, mm-hmm. which kind of crushes him, and you see the path of destruction that he's ready to take by framing her. Yeah, and finally at the end of the movie, she basically says to him, I will haunt you. I will ensure, like, even after my death, I will ensure that your your bad deeds will be shown to the mm-hmm. world or whatever. So, it's But funny. But it's pretty good. It's it pretty good. It's good. She, it's you know, she confesses to being the witch so that they so that they spare Hannah. Yeah, she says she coerced Hannah mm-hmm. in their witchcraft stuff before they're hanged so Hannah gets to go free and then Sarah is is hung uh, for being a witch. And Solomon is also the reason why uh, Sarah loses her hand. Yeah, yeah. So we get to see how everything happens in the caves, how the hand ends up on the rocks. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting to kind of put the story together versus just the the rhyme that we get in 94. Yeah, well, that's supposed to go in the thing of, well, these are the legends and mm-hmm. these are the myths and now this is the reality of it. Yeah. But that's basically the story. Then they go back to 94. We finally have the final confrontation with Dina and Sam and Ziggy the, and, Ziggy and the gang. Where they defeat Sheriff Good and restore order to the world. And uh, yeah, this movie is absolute garbage. And this is where I differ because I actually really liked it. Well, yeah. I watched it again before we recorded, so I've seen it three times now. Mm -hmm. I really liked it. I I would like to know why. There's a lot of reasons why I like it. I like the story. I wasn't too sure about jumping back to the 1600s. I wasn't sure the vibe it was going to give. But I think what saved it was that they brought the original cast. Because if we had gotten a completely brand new cast of 1,600 characters, we weren't going to be able to relate or feel, you know, sympathy or too many emotions towards them. Honestly, I thought the, I thought the story in this was interesting, but the execution is piss poor. Okay, how would you have changed it? How would I have changed it? Mm-hmm. Um, probably, I... If it was me, I would have just done a couple more passes of the script. Because there's some things on there where if you lean on it a little bit, it kind of falls over. Um, And I, I don't I don't want to be nitpicky. I don't want to be that guy. Even though I usually you am. You are that guy. I usually am that guy. But there's... Okay. So, Solomon Good is picking these people completely at random, right? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't care who he picks. I, it would appear so. All right. Why didn't he just pick the crazy drunkard in town square instead of the priest? I don't know. That's who I would have thought too. Yeah, the crazy drunkard who is openly like fondling people and is riling a... everybody up. Yeah, who you would probably want to like chaka chaka. Yeah. First, but no, he picks the priest who then kills all the kids and it, which is an actual like 
well done scene because it is very ominous and spooky. Oh yeah, it's totally creepy. Yeah, and I thought, oh, that's a really good scene. That's cool. But there's also other things where the theme of the film is very heavy-handed. And I thought the execution of that could have been better, which obviously could have been done a little bit cleaner with another another pass of the script. I feel like you could tell this one was filmed second and not last. I guess for production history, because you know like the order in these were shot in, right? That I don't know. Yeah, so it was 19, it was 94, then it was this one, 1666, and then it was 78. Because 78 used none of the actors or very few of the actors from the other two. Mm -hmm. So they were like, oh yeah, we'll just film these two first, get those actors out of the way, and then we'll just film 78. Hmm. And 78 feels like it had a lot more time to be like worked on. It marinated a little bit more. It marinated a little bit longer. Like, 94, I feel, just knew its beats and just ran with it. It knew the beats it needed to hit. They had a pretty competent screenwriter just go through and just write it out. Which, yeah, makes it, to me, a little a little bland, but it's a serviceable movie. And 78 feels like, oh, there's a little bit of polish on here. Okay, because I, I like 78. I went on record saying it's a good movie. Yeah. 66 feels like they did not know where to go with this it might also be a thing where when i think of 1600 eras horror film i think of the witch mm-hmm. um by robert eggers which is a great movie and i think that's the thing i might just be comparing it to a movie that i really like mm-hmm. because that's the only mental connection i can make with this and this just doesn't hold up to it mm-hmm yeah, if I had to change it, I would have just gone through the script a couple more times. Because some of the writing in this is also not great. Like, the line, bro, it's good, is evil. I knew you were going to bring that up. Oh my, it's such a bad line. It's so cringy. It's just, it's cheesy. It's cringy. It's cheese. Yeah. And then there's the other thing where the um the little girl at the end who's, like, hitting on Josh. When she's, like... Hey, maybe you guys should get some SSDs. Let me put my AOL handle, and it's it's her Twitter handle. And I and my brother watched this with me, and he was like, "That bitch is a time traveler," because that's a Twitter handle, and she's talking about SSDs in '94. And we looked this up. Yeah. SSDs in '94s did exist, but they would not be anywhere near feasible for this kind of thing that they're talking about. Basically, making an iPod. Basically, make an iPod. I mean, you know, give her credit for ingenuity. Maybe her family can't afford the grant to buy an SSD in 94. But yeah, they, they gaffed on the AOL handle with an at symbol before. Yeah, that's a, I, that's a Twitter handle. I, I looked it up. Couldn't find any with an at symbol. So I was like, okay, all right. They made a gaffe, but I, it happens. Yeah. So there's... So it was kind of cool to see them tie in. What She was what? Queen of Silence and Silence Darkness? Silence and Flame. It... It is the edgiest, like, Twitter handle I can think of, but I don't know what it's called. Yeah, I forget hers. But it's interesting to see Josh in the beginning talking to this girl on the AOL chat. And, and then, he finally meets her. He finally meets her in the end. So we kind of get some closure for some of the stories mm-hmm. in this film. Um, from what I understand, you did not like the jump back to 94. I was not a fan, and uh, we did... We talked about this, and I was adamant that, oh my god, the neon in the mall looked so bad. Everything looked washed out or blown out. Like, there was no definition mm-hmm. to anyone's face. And Boo, yeah, rightfully so, called me on it. I put it on my TV, and I found out that my uh, 
TV is not balanced for those kinds of colors. Yeah. So it, my TV just makes it look bad. Yeah, your, your TV really blows it out. Where mm-hmm. mine, I was able to get more features on the faces of the people. Yeah. But I really like the neon aspect that they gave it. I mean, I've seen those neon lighting stuff done really well. Mm-hmm. I watched... Um, drive which has a couple of scenes done in like that bright like neon Mm -hmm. i think what is it i think um nicholas winu refn calls it neon noir Mm -hmm. which it looks great like i watch it on my tv and it looks great and then i watch here where it might be a thing where they're drowning the image with it Mm -hmm. which might make it so my tv couldn't really handle it but i can't imagine even with more definition to it it would look that much better it looked like a cool little set piece but i don't know that and it was also giving me uh, Stranger Things season three vibes, which you still need to watch. I uh, I watched the first season of Stranger Things. I watched like half of the second season, and then I kind of just bowed out. But there's a, a sequence in the the series where you do get heavy neon, and it was just taking me back because it is a mall too. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like, oh cool, we're kind of getting like a Stranger Things kind of nod in this. I feel like you like this movie because it reminds you of other movies. It does. Well, I mean it's. They're homage movies, so they're paying homage to different films and, I'm assuming, maybe TV series. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I'm wondering what this is homaging, though, because the majority of the film is dedicated to, like, 1666. It was kind of giving me, like, Sleepy Hollow vibes of, like, the small little community in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but it it doesn't really follow that. It's like an aesthetic choice. Yeah, aesthetic-wise, but but not, like, storyline, no. Yeah, none of the storyline feels homage in 66. I've never seen The Witch, so I can't say that it's paying homage to that. Not really, no. It it definitely feels like this is leaning into the whole legend of the Salem Witch Trials and things like that, and that's what it's working with, but there's a whole um, thing going on where I don't know if like the scripts and the themes and the settings and all that stuff just aren't clicking for me it's weird i don't know i i really like that they tied it back to the witch trials Mm -hmm. even though you know they don't really call it the witch trials it's more you know the puritans and everything that you know isn't holy or righteous is satanic it's witchcraft because you're gay you're a witch let's burn you at the stake yeah it's literally this movie or you know really uh i can't think of the guy's name he plays sam's boyfriend in 94 she rejects him in their party in the woods and he goes and tells everybody in the church, I saw her sleeping with the devil, her and uh, Dina, they're both the witches. And it's like, so because you got rejected, you're going to set these two to be hung. Oh, God. I thought that was so hollow to me. I don't I don't know. It feels like something that it, I just feel like it's not doing anything that original in the movie. Because I understand like. 94, 78, they're hardcore homage, homage yeah. movies. And the point is, oh, we're not doing anything like that original. We're just taking stuff and putting a little spin on it. Mm-hmm. This felt like we're trying to do something original, mm-hmm. but it just felt really generic, I guess. Where I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. do you see where I'm getting at, though? Like, it feels like you've heard a lot of these lines, a lot of these, seen a lot of these scenes before. Yeah. And it's just they're stringing together these plot beats that just don't they're just going through the motions for me it felt like everything kind of hit the right point and worked together Mm -hmm. we have you know the small town 
We have these kids that are just going to go out to the woods and party and be kids and just seeing how a night of fun in the woods turns out to be something disastrous. Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. uh, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And yeah. So literally all the sl- all the famous slasher movies. Mm-hmm. Everything. All of them. Just stay out of the woods. I guess. I don't know. Like, okay, I'm saying things where it's just like, I don't like this and it's really hard for me to articulate why I don't like it. It's one of those things where, you know when you just, something just feels off mm-hmm. and you know a f- why a few things don't work in it. But you can't really pinpoint why. I'm still trying to ruminate on why I don't like it. With, um, what is it? With 94, it was kind of like that for me. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out why I didn't like it until like a week later. And it was like, oh, because the, the, the story and the plot feels so off balance. Things just kind of happen in the beginning. And there's no, it nev- nothing feels resolved. Mm-hmm. It just, mm, things happen, blah, hit the credits. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't like 94, but it took me a week to figure this out. Yeah. 66, it might be the same thing. I'm wondering, did you find anything you didn't like? Or, or are you of the opinion everything was great all the way through, start to beginning? There's no problems in this movie. From After watching it, I liked everything through and through. I liked the twists. I like how everything just fell into place. Mm-hmm. Coming in, I wasn't sure how much I was going to like the 1666 aspect. Mm. I was like, oh, you know, it's going to... The setting wasn't really going to roll with you? Yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh, it's going to be on the slower side, the 1600s. But there was a ton of action. Uh, Things start to make sense in the storyline, the betrayals. So that aspect was interesting. Um, I'm surprised because you're really like into the occult. You love stuff like that. Did you like uh, the morning after the party where... Things are just going rotten. The water has been poisoned. I, the my issue there is again. I've seen it a bunch of times. Again, it's I understand mm-hmm. where I say that, and it's like, well, nothing's original. Everything's a remix. Mm-hmm. But like, I really dig like you know, cult voodoo. Mm-hmm. You know, weird sci-fi stories. I read Lovecraft. Yeah. I you know Robert E. Howard stuff. Um, this is like I've seen this before. Like I've, that's the Do you problem. feel that your vision is clouded because you've seen so much of this before? Mm, maybe, maybe, because that that is a thing that happens a lot mm-hmm. with with me in particular, because how I figure out movies is I search, you know, through the movies in my head mm-hmm. and try and like, okay, does this work? Because I know it worked in this movie, and I try and compare and just like, okay, yeah. is it better than this? Does it work with this? And, you know, that's that's the thing. It's a really weird way to, like, evaluate movies. Basically, how I compare movies and critique things is weird. But it's whatever. Because this, I think, even by itself doesn't work. Again, I feel like the, the, the point that I'm getting at is just... I feel this is just more generic than anything. I don't feel there's anything unique about it for me to attach to and like. Yeah, it looks like other things I've seen. It hits beats of stuff I've seen before. But this by itself, it's like, I watched it and I'm like, I'd rather watch The Witch. Or I'd rather, like, I'd honestly rather go back and rewatch 78, to be honest. I think out of all of these, I really liked 78 as a standalone. Mm-hmm. And granted, this colors 78 
differently because of the reveal of Sheriff Good mm-hmm. is being the killer. Yeah. Because then it makes Nick Good, young Sheriff Good in 78, mm-hmm. definitely colored in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because then it makes that final scene where um, Ziggy is saying, you believe me, right? You know, no, these, the curse is real. The curse is real. And then when the other sheriff says, what happened? He's like, guy just snapped and went crazy. In context with that, before we know the twist, it's, oh, this kid is choosing the sunny side life and he's, you know, he's making a conscious choice to leave the sunny veil, leave this mm-hmm. fantasy behind. He's, It's kind of like a growing up moment yeah. for him. Granted, it's clouded because, you know, there is a witch thing, but yeah. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting, like, character thing that could lead into a thing in 66 where now he sees the truth and then there's a whole thing where it's like you get the decades-long love story of ziggy and nick good and it finally is resolved i'm like oh that'd be a really cute thing going on because i'm a fucking you know pansy and i like a good love story but now it colors it is oh it's just a killer covering his tracks and i i kind of liked jumping back to 78 when he's talking about you know or it's not even him it's the deputy that comes to the camp and he talks to nick good and he tells him, you know, I'm sorry about your dad. And Nick goes, that's all right. And later we hear him talking to Ziggy where he's saying, the yeah. The heir apparent. Yeah, you know, you know, with my dad passing, he really told me, you, you got to take over, you know, as head of the family and all the responsibilities. And now we see. What he, those responsibilities yeah, were. Yeah, he was passed over this burden that you, you have to, you know. Which leads me to to something interesting because it feels like 78 is the glue that is making 66 bearable okay because everything that's in 66 that gets revealed that is like oh that's an interesting twist and we Mm -hmm. see the seeds have been laid they're only laid in in 78 and it feels like all the stuff in 78 feels so well written because it had to compensate for all the stuff going on in 66 because everything in 78 now has this double meaning triple meaning it's like Mm -hmm. oh wow and that just makes me like, wow, 78 was really well done. Yeah. And this was not that well done. It feels like, again, I we even talked about this. If you had to rank these, it's 78, 94, and 66 is at the bottom. We and, agree and, that and 66 is the worst of the three. After seeing it three times, I'm kind of idling between 66 and 94. Really? Because we get so much more information in 66. Oh, that's, that, that's right. You want all the information yeah i i like knowing all the information again i would watch it all the way through the way that it's intended to be watched oh god i i don't think i could no i i enjoyed these so it's like i i could sit through these again and rewatch them it's just i really enjoyed all the information uh finding out the thing in the cave that i thought originally might have been you know uh sarah fear's heart where the killers come out of mm. basically it's just a womb holding all these killers in no it's the no it's satan that thing is Satan. that blob because remember when the thing uh, the thing erupts when good does the ritual he calls satan and then that thing erupts i assume that's satan or the a physical manifestation of his pact with satan no it's the, the, thing? the it's the killers no they spawn out of it because that's a gateway to hell yeah that's but, not but, that's not a womb of the killers that it inhabits. It's like a it's like a portal kind of thing. Are you I, sure? Because it beats and sounds like something that you would hear in a sonogram. So that's why it's I would think well, it would be something womb like where these 
you know, killers are being held, which brought me to another fact or a thing that I had been thinking, these killers that are being held in here and contained, are these just the bodies or are these people that have been, you know, picked to be possessed, are they still stuck in these bodies? Oh, like, that's another weird, weird question because we... Because Tommy comes back and he's... Um, the Nightwing killer. He's the Nightwing killer. And we see him get dismembered, destroyed, or whatever mm-hmm. in 78. And then, oh, the curse uh, beats or whatever. And they come back, comes back to life, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait a minute. So why is it, so why is it that they... Why does the devil give up so easily if he's like, oh, I, you just gave me a potty and I'm essentially immortal. Mm-hmm. Why, why don't I just keep killing forever like even if they shoot me or whatever because we see in 94 the teenager gets shot and he you know falls over dead and they're like all right he's dead they do the thing whatever mm-hmm. and then it's only when the curses or the witch's curse comes up that he comes back to life why did the devil lay down so easy he's the devil he can just keep rocking there's there's a lot of little things in this movie and in this series that i find weird where, yeah, we get explanations as to some stuff, but it just raises questions. Another thing is at the very end, that jump scare ending, where mm, it's... With the book? With the fucking book. In this, I hate this in movies, where... Which I'm surprised, because what it's such mean? a classic. What, that classic ending where we're gonna push in real quiet, the sound's gonna go out, we're gonna go up to this object, and then we're gonna have a loud noise, and then this thing move in the frame and then cut to black... I mean, no, that's I, stupid. I, I feel you think that's stupid because you're afraid of jump scares. I'm not afraid of jump scares. It's just unlike you, I have a reaction to loud fucking noises that make me go deaf. But whatever. So it's it's also weird because it's obviously at a crime scene. We see the tape. It's it's, it's time, got the markers. It's got the markers. It's time after the they left the book there. Yeah. Why would they leave a piece of crucial evidence on a crime scene? I don't know. That I mean, thing, that thing has good fingerprints on it. It's obvious that that was a part of his like weird. Even if it's say, oh, it's sheriff, good, all right, he's into some crazy Satanist shit. Mm-hmm. This is obviously linked to it. Well, we're gonna take this into evidence. They just leave it there, and some crazy person comes and takes it, which is obvious like sequel baiting going on. I was trying to figure out if it was a man's hands or a woman's hands, and I... it happens so fast. It's probably a PA's hand, let's be real here. I know, it was, but... It was probably 7.25 an hour, get over here, you're going to be in a movie. Yeah, no, because um, the director of these movies, she said that she kind of wants to turn like Fear Street into like the MCU, where we don't get like the original story, we're getting like side stories, but they all connect. That's ambitious. So I would like to see, you know, they might not bring back the original cast, but just to see... Maybe if someone gets their hands on the book, what happens? I, w- I don't care. If, I'm, again, this is another thing where I understand that this this rides your wave, right? Oh, yeah. I, you, it, I love horror you, through and you, through. You love horror things. You love, like, this nostalgia homage trips. You you like movies that homage other movies. You like that interconnectivity. I love R.L. Stein. You, yeah, you love R.L. Stein. And I get it. If they did more of these movies, you'd you'd be there because these because you know you can ride this wave, buy the ticket, take the ride, whatever. These don't do anything for me. They're just like fine. I'm not mad. I watched them. Sixty six was like the biggest meh movie I watched, but it's not. I'm. It's not horrible. It was fine. 
it, did people you who like... give it a zero or a one rating, they're overreacting. This is like just not that good. It's fine. My opinion, it might ain't worth that much. It's fine if you if you dig it, you dig it. If you don't, you don't. Whatever. And I dug it. I, I again, I felt bad for Ziggy because she was, you know, already suffering PTSD from everything that happened. But it's like you get to see the tree that you and your sister died under. Mm-hmm. Uh, your sister's oh boyfriend God, turned that's killer. So, that's right. And then the milkman, who is Harry Roker, comes back after her. And it's like, so the dude that killed you, the place that you died, and your sister's boyfriend, all in one night. So you're basically reliving that night in 78 again. Like, how fucked is that? It'd be nicer if I cared at all. And I'm I know sorry. you don't I'm care. Just being, I'm just being a dick at that point. No, no, no. I, I mean, it is cool, and it is an interesting thing with her character that she is reliving these traumatic experiences. It's in a new light. It's kind of a repeat or a remix of what's happened before, which is literally what this whole story is. Mm-hmm. It's a remix and a repeat. And I know that that's the point. I just I just couldn't dig it. I just couldn't get into it. It's one of those things where this, this you know, is right in your wheelhouse. Everything in this movie is like... Everything in this series is tailor-made to appeal to you. Yeah. I mean, Everything from I mean, you start didn't to like, finish. You didn't like when all the killers were fighting each other? When they were spraying them with Dina's blood, so... I read comic books. That, that happens, like, all the time. Yeah, but it's like seeing uh, Jason, Michael, Freddy all attack each other instead of attacking victims. I've, I've read that comic book. I haven't, so it was it, interesting to see... It was interesting to see them not expect Bat Boy billy barker show up <laughs> okay okay let's just let's just do this because i know this is the only reason you want to talk about this y- okay what are the names of all the killers because i know you you want to tell everyone well the guy with the death plague mask that one i didn't get a name of they just call him the grifter mm-hmm. but it's like i'd like to know more about some of these killers that they spotlight why i don't know i just want to know because i mean it, it's one of those things where again boo just wants to know everything. Basically. She wants the Wikipedia article to be longer than the Bible. Eh. Oh God. I mean, Why? I would, I would like Let them to be mystery. I know, but I mean, we get you know insight on Ruby Lane. We get insight on uh, Tommy. So it's just you get some insight, and then you get nothing at all. Because the ones that we're getting insight to are relevant to the story. All the other ones are do not matter at all to the plot other than they kill people. And they're they, spooky. They could just be ghosts in bedsheets, and it would be the exact same movie. It would be exactly the same in execution. If they all looked exactly the same, it'd be the exact same movie. Nah, they look way cooler in this movie. No, Sorry. yeah, I get they look way cooler, but it doesn't. But they don't matter to the plot in any way. Just saying, you're out there in the middle of the dark and a little bat boy comes up on you across the street. Okay, I, I think you're going to freak out. No, not... Re- saying that, oh, this is spooky and scary if this comes at you in the dark in real life is not relevant to the fact that they don't matter in the plot or the story. I mean, they're brought up in the first movie, so it's interesting to see all these killers that have come over the years and the impact that they've made, so... Why shouldn't I be a little bit curious about who are they? I think that, no, that's a curious thing. Being like, oh, yeah, that's an interesting thought. But the mystery is going to be way better than what they give you. 
the your imagination works way better than whatever these people will give you as an answer. I guess. That is factual information. I guess. Everything that's scary is the unknown. That's always true. So these killers being unknown quantities is way better than knowing. And if it's a thing where we get a series of movies where each individual film is dedicated to each one of these killers, I will absolutely check out. I will not watch those. Uh, you check out all the time. Well, yeah, but, but these I would absolutely because they're but not I, relevant. There's I think no instead of getting, to one. I think instead of getting movies, we're probably gonna get books based off of the movies with Maybe. more with more depth. So it'll be interesting to see if we get that or we are able to get a Fear Street cinematic universe. I would be okay because the whole the whole reason they want to do a cinematic universe of Fear Street is because Marvel makes ha money hand over fist doing it. Mm -hmm. This is not deep enough to do it at all. The the reason Marvel works that way is because they're drawing from. I think at this point it's a hundred years. I think Marvel's a hundred years old because they started as timely comics back in like the twenties or thirties. Whatever. N 90 plus years worth of material to draw from yeah. that already were an inter interconnected continuity driven like monthly or weekly stories they they have all this content to draw from and that's why the cinematic universe works is because there's infinite numbers of characters they can yeah. bring in fear street would not work in that same vein as an extended universe because everything's from scratch everything's yeah. from scratch you can say what you will, R.L. Stein, Goosebumps, he has a huge, huge bibliography. He's written things for decades. That and uh, Fear Street, his original series, that's pretty long, too. Uh, I know it is. I think it's it's, it's, more than, it's more than like ten books. So even though these aren't based off of the original books, it, whatever they come up with. If they make this like an anthology film series, or an if this was an anthology like slasher tv show like in the vein of something like mm, maybe not american horror story maybe like some like creep show mm -hmm. on shutter that would probably work because it's just a slasher of the week or monster of the week mm -hmm. kind of deal and they would just tell these like long stories these are the, the tales of shady side mm -hmm. or whatever that might work if this was done as a traditional tv show they have the three they have these three movies, and then they have the TV spinoff where it's you know runs for one, two, three, whatever, whatever seasons they are successful. Yeah, because if they wanted to do this based off the killers, you know, we get more information about Ruby Lane. But it would be interesting to see that whole story unfold where she see kills her, her family, see her where you know we hear her mom saying she wanted to be a singer. So you see this good girl turn into this mass murderer that slaughters her friends, her I boyfriend. Feel, I feel it would just be a rehash of Tommy in 78, because it, it yeah. would be. It would be the same thing. I think that's the problem, is how they've defined it is, this is a thing that happens all the time. It's a, it's a This is a repetitive curse that works, mm -hmm. and extending that to make multiple movies or show or whatever, it would be, okay, here's the first act, we introduce our characters, and then the exact same turning thing that happens body stack up until the third act climax they the survivor you know manages to defeat the killer and then oh no something happens so that dina and them could solve this mystery x number of years later because yeah, we be only ever have one survivor of these killers and it's ziggy so every single thing is predictable where they all die 
Yeah, because Ziggy and Dina are the only two final girls. Yeah. And because up prior to that, prior to Ziggy, no one survived um, the witch's curse. Yeah, so I think that's the thing, is that they were going to extend this and make more of them and make that big cinematic universe they want to mm-hmm. do. You're going to run out of usable material mm-hmm. and interesting, unique storylines very quickly. I mean, don't get me wrong, if they can do it, do it. I ain't gonna stop them. It'll be interesting to see what they do. It would be interesting. I think you could probably get another... Again, I'm of the opinion you can get a TV show out of this. You can get, like, a season Mm -hmm. of a pretty okay, like, Netflix TV show out of this. You could probably do that. I think the smart thing would, would be, you know, having a TV show and then kind of setting it up where something massive happens again and you have to bring in... Like Dina and Sam and Josh. Maybe Ziggy, too. I guess. I don't know. Again, like, we could just write the the TV series, but I don't... I don't know. This is... I personally would not invest the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't like the Dina character. I liked Sam, though. I actually, like, looking back on it, Watching nine, I did. I did watch a little bit of ninety four mm-hmm. again, and seeing how her how she relates to Dina and all that stuff. I liked Sam as a character. I liked Josh as a character. It might just be a thing where how Dina acts and treats people around her. I don't dig. But we see that switch at the very end of ninety four. Once everything's resolved. She's back to normal. She's not in that cloud of depression. Well, that's the thing. We spend 90 minutes of her basically being a not that good friend and kind of a mean person. And then we only see her as a good person or somebody is like, oh, yeah, you're like a nice, normal person and well-adjusted and all that stuff for the last 10 minutes. And then Sam stabs her because she's possessed. Well, I, I mean, feel so bad for Sam, to be honest. I Sam mean, deserves so much better. You keep calling her a mean person, but it's someone that's going through a heartbreak. Uh, a breakup, uh, she's heartbroken. Yeah. So, yeah, she's not going to be in the best of spirits. Yeah, that's whatever. This is a movie. Be likable as a, be likable as a character I want to follow Jeez. for two hours. If she had a redeeming quality of, like, yeah, she's kind of, she's mean to her brother. She, uh, she's kind of, like, wishy-washy with some of her friends. Okay, fine. But if her redeeming quality was that, no, she has, like, this real, like, deep-seated desire to do good in the world. To do good to, like, people around her. But then it's like, hey, I am going to just, like, dump this thing of cool or dump this big cooler onto a moving car, crash it, and have that car crash and almost kill my girlfriend and not even give a fuck. I'm going to walk away with two middle fingers out of this situation. But she wasn't trying to throw the cooler. She was trying to throw the Gatorade at the car. Yeah. And her dumbass almost killed three people. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, understand, childish mistake by a childish character. They're teenagers. Yeah. Again, I just did not like her as a character. I liked the actress. I liked it when she played Sarah Fear. I think Sarah Fear as a character had way more depth to her that I was able to, like, oh, I get this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tortured character, whatever. She's actually, like... She's actually trying to progress her objectives and goals where I feel like Dina, things are happening and she's reacting. She's not looking out to do something until that last half because Josh is the one who's telling her, we need to do this, we need to do that. And Dina's just following his lead until the end where she 
kills Sam. Josh is the Randy Meeks of this film. Yeah, Josh Josh is the one who knows everything mm-hmm. and is setting the objectives and the goals and is like helping everybody push it. Dean is the one who has to do the actions, but she's not the one making the choices. Mm-hmm. Her character doesn't make a lot of choices. Sarah Fear makes choices. Sarah Fear was ahead of her time. Sarah Fear was ahead of her time. And that's Ziggy why... makes choices. Yeah. Even Nick Good makes choices. I like characters that make choices. Dina does not make choices. I will say choices a few more times because they are some choice words, yo. And you just want to keep making that motion over and I over, do, too. I do, I do. For people who can't see, I'm, I'm like waving my arms around every time I say choice. Yeah, he's having a good time. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Yeah. But... Oh, yeah. That was Fear Street 1666. Dean did not like it. I did like it. I would recommend watching it. Um, if you're gonna watch all three of them and you were in a marathon kind of mode, uh, yeah, you should still watch 66. Again, I'm I'm open with this is just not my kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there are gems in this. There are good moments. There are good things about this. Even in 66, there are good things. Again... I'll lean into the, you know, Keanu's performance as Sarah Fear is very good. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. It was fun seeing the cast from 78 and 94 come back. That was, that was interesting. I think the plot is one of those things where if you lean against it too hard, it might fall over in certain places. But overall, uh, yeah, if it's on, don't turn it off. You'll probably find something you like about it. But if you don't, like the first 15 minutes it's probably not going to get better and if you did like the first two definitely watch the third because you're going to like that surprise switch that it was really the good family this entire time good is evil yes it is in this movie that line is still bad I don't care I like that it bothers you of course you do you like everything that bothers me is that why you recommend these movies no okay (laughs) well that was the last of our little bonus episodes on Film Club After Dark. I know. What did you think about us having bonus episodes? I really liked it. I think it's nice when we get to talk about movies a little bit more um, at random. Because I, I think that the, the bonus episodes are a fun little treat to have. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten used to us having them on a weekly basis, but maybe we'll have them once a month. Yeah. You know, sp- sprinkle it in every once in a while. Yeah. But... With that, Boo, where could they find us if they want to keep up with us? Well, if you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. More platforms where podcasts are streamed. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Film Club Podcast. And follow us on social media because we've got a lot of things coming up in the next few months that are going to be very fun, very entertaining. And would you like to plug your other channels? Well, the only channel that I would like to plug is our YouTube channel, In The Frame, where you can watch, well, listen Listen. and kind of watch the Film Club podcast, as well as the Film Club bonus episodes, and my other podcast, Too Obscure for TV, and the Double Feature podcast, Double Feature Picture Show, where me and my boy David bring two movies together, talk about them, compare them, contrast them. And uh, figure out why they work and why they don't work. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. And boo. Stay tuned and stay spooky. 